Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And because it's a new year, I thought I would call my message New Year, New You. Kind of a New Year, New You. Who's believing for a new year? And who's believing for a new you? Yeah, it's kind of a very feminine background, but I like that kind of pink suits me. I was wearing my pink blazer over the production. People said, pink suits you. I thought, good, I'm going to do a pink slide. So there we go. Fantastic. Everyone doing well? Well, I don't know what your 2019 has been like, or I don't know what this decade has been like for that matter. But if you're anything like me, you've probably had highs and lows in the last 10 years. Would that be fair to say? I mean, highs and lows. And what I've found, particularly in life and, and particularly as a Christian and particularly in ministry, the highs are high. I mean, they are incredibly high and the lows are incredibly low. And you've got to be able to navigate all of those things. And so it was 10 years ago. I don't know if you know this or not. Some of you may not have even been born or weren't in this church. But 10 years ago, we moved into this property. And this property did not look like it does today. It was a mess. It was a wreck. And there was a lot of volunteer hours that went into making this building what she is today. Isn't that right, Arnold? Wherever you are out there, Arnold was overseeing the project. And he knows how bad it was and how much work went into this building, making it as beautiful as it is today. And so for all of those who volunteered, thank you. Because that was an incredible, monumentous moment moment in the life of this church. 10 years ago, I can't believe it. It feels like 10 days ago in one moment, and then it feels like 100 years ago. Has anyone ever felt like that? Something feels like ages ago, but it felt like just the other day. Is that just me or does people feel like that? And so that was 10 years ago that we moved into this building. Five years ago, I had a hip replacement. I don't know if you know that, but actually I went to the doctor. I was kind of limping. I said, something's wrong with my hip. And, and he said, look, you know what? You've got 45, whatever it is, years out of it. And so we just need to replace it. I said, is it because of soccer? Is it because of the gym? He said, no, no, it's just one of those birth defects. And so it's just worn out. And so you just got to replace it. And so I said, Full, sign me up. And so I, I, I was in hospital and, and uh, my left hip is made of titanium. Not everyone can say that. I can promise you this, my left hip is stronger than your left hip. I'm just saying. It's made of titanium. And the amazing thing around that is that I had no pain. I don't know if you've ever watched um, a hip replacement video on YouTube or anything. Please don't. It's, it's It's pretty graphic. But when you think about what takes place to replace a hip, I had no pain. I mean, no pain. I didn't have any drugs for the pain afterwards. I took the drugs from and just used them for other times. No, I didn't. <laughs> the, 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 nurse, the nurse was begging me. She says, Mr. Rainbow, please, you don't have to tough it out. Please take the drugs. I said, look, uh, you know what? How about you bag them up and I'll take them for another kind of day. But right today, I just don't need them. She didn't give me the drugs. Anyway, never mind. But I mean, I mean, I've had paper cuts that hurt more than this hip replacement. It was an amazing thing. And uh, it's just one of those crazy things that happened some five years ago. Would I wish that on anyone? No. Do I wish it happened to me? No. But life happens. Life happens. And so five years ago, I had a hip uh, replacement. Uh, three years ago, uh, my wife had a cancer scare. She found lumps where there shouldn't be lumps. And so it goes through this whole cancer thing. And, and uh, she was given the all clear only this year, which is amazing. So I'm really grateful to that. God for that. But going through it's tough. Going through it's tough. And then that same year, three years ago, is when I had a blood infection and, and I, I almost died. 
And it's only more recently, as a, a couple of people I know have recently suffered from a blood infection and are really struggling with their life, it just brought back just how serious it was. I mean, my body was shutting down and I almost died. I certainly had a near-death experience. And uh, by God's grace, I pulled through that and, and, and here I am, still preaching to you guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> still getting on to you. But uh, seriously, it happened three years ago that uh, almost died. And then obviously because of the blood infection, I had to have heart surgery. And so I've had open heart surgery. I've got a hip. I've got a gammy hip. I've got a gammy heart. And here I am still doing what I'm doing, which is kind of amazing. All this happened in the last 10 years, which is quite amazing. And then this year, we celebrated 25 years as, as a church. And it's just been an incredible celebration for us as a church and for us as a family, because not only did our church celebrate 25 years, but uh, Kath and I also turned 50. So we had two big celebrations around our 50th birthday. Jordan, our oldest daughter, turned 21. Mitchie uh, kind of, he, he just turned 19. That was no real big deal. But he thought, you know what? Because it's a year of celebration, we had the biggest 19th birthday party you can ever have for a 19-year-old. So we celebrated that. But then the biggest party of all time was our 13-year-old. She became a teenager. And so she, she had uh, uh, a Harry Potter Get this, a Harry Potter birthday party. And it was over the top. It was OTT. And my wife kind of got right into it. And my, my, uh, their grandma, my mother-in-law, made these robes. And all of the guests got a robe. And, and Kath learnt to make spells and potions. It's amazing. And there she was entertaining the kids. And the kids are like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's magic. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I married a witch. <laughs> Who knew? And so we had an amazing, amazing time celebrating all the incredible people in our world's life, birthdays, etc., etc. My, my iPad's just decided to die. That's fine. It's all good. Come on. Come up. It's all good. And then what else happened? Um, my daughter and Nat informed the world that they're getting married. Which is a massive surprise. And then as a church only, and this seems like ages ago, but it was only earlier this month in December, as a church we packed 1,000 Christmas boxes, fed 5,000 people, and uh, it's because of you and your generosity. So give yourselves a round of applause. So good. Just two weeks ago, we saw 30 people baptised at Waterworld, which is a phenomenal uh, night. And then it was only last week. I, I cannot believe it was only last week. But last week we had uh, the second of three big showings of our Christmas production, Man in the Suit, which is phenomenal. And uh, what I love about that is many things, but one of them is the lead role, Archie, the man who just stood up here and just mesmerised us with his incredible talent and skill. He's actually got an orange shirt on today and he's serving in kids. Well, I mean, I mean, he's not here, but come on, I think that's worthy of a round of applause. And I just want to say on behalf of Kath and myself and the leadership team, a massive thank you to everyone who made the production what it was. All the volunteers, those who helped set up outside, those who helped make the cafe run as smoothly as it did, those who parked the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars. I just want to say thank you. Whatever part you played in making our production so special, thank you. It's been an incredible month for us here at Victory Church. So come on, one more time. Let's just give everyone who's anyone a round of applause. 
So there's a few things, a few highlights, a few lowlights that have happened to me and our church and our family over the last decade or so. And what I know is this, whether 2019 was good or whether it was bad for you, it's gone. It's over. It's finished. It's kaput. 2019 and in fact, the decade of the 2010s are a thing of the past. And here's the thing about the thing of the past. You can't live in the past. You can learn from the past, but you can't live in the past. Turn to the person next and say, you can't live in the past. Three words that changed the course of human history were uttered by Jesus Christ on the cross when he said these words, it is finished. But notice that he did not say he is finished. He said it is finished. There's a big difference between it being finished and him being finished. In actual fact, Jesus was not finished at all. In actual fact, he was just getting started. We see the moment that Jesus Christ gave up His life on the cross. He went and plundered hell. He took the keys of the kingdom and He made it there, all authority His there uh, in that moment of time. He confronted the devil and all of the demons. He took authority of death and hell. He rose again on the third day, showing Himself to all the naysayers. He's saying, I'm back, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'm back. Jesus said it first. He says, I'm back, just like I said I would be. And that moment proved He was who He said He was. When He said He was the Son of God, people said, prove it. He said, I will. You'll put me to death and on the third day, I will rise again. And when Jesus rose on the third day and showed Himself to the world, He was proving He was who He said He was. You see, something might be over, but it doesn't mean it's finished. You might have lost your marriage this year. You might have lost your job this year. You might have had a financial crisis this year. But the good news is, it doesn't mean that your life is over or that you are finished. Here at this church, we like to keep it very real. We don't want to preach a hyper faith and tell you once you come to Jesus, everything will be okay. It will be okay, but you will have to face some tough, difficult circumstances and situations. And it's because He's with us, it will be okay in the toughest of seasons that you face. And you'll find that you find victory in Christ. And victory in Christ does not mean that you won't have tough, difficult days. It means that you'll have one who is tougher than those tough days that you face. He's the one who lives in you. And the Bible says in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that the one inside of you is greater than he that is in the world. So the good news is that after every end is a new beginning. You see, every day or every night is followed by the gift of a brand new day. I love waking up in the morning and saying, thank you, God, for a brand new day. You say, I've got nothing to thank God for. Yes, you do. The gift of a brand new day. The night time is over. The new day has come. And with the new day comes new mercies. New mercies come from Him every day. There is joy that follows the nighttime seasons of our lives. And no matter how dark it may appear, joy can come in the morning. Why? Because Jesus is the beginning. 
and he is the end. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with you, and I will give you to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And one of my favourite passages of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I love what Pastor Brian Houston says. He says there's a big difference between the end of an era and the completion of a destiny. You see, when Jesus Christ hung upon the cross, there was great confusion and great sadness. And sometimes I think we miss the disciples' confusion and sadness because we read the Bible not with the eyes of humanity, but with the eyes of divinity. What do I mean by that? We read it because we know the end of the story. And because we know the end of the story that Jesus rises from the dead, we don't sit in that moment in time where the disciples had to sit in the confusion and the sadness of seeing the one they loved, the one they thought was going to redeem and save the world, die before their very eyes. And we can be very quick to judge the disciples and say, why didn't you have faith? Why didn't you trust them? And I'll tell you why they didn't trust and I'll tell you why they didn't have faith. For the same reason you don't trust and you don't have faith on your dark days. Because we don't always know the end. We don't always know the outcome. And that's where great faith and trust comes in. And so when we read the Bible, let's not be judgmental of these disciples. Let's not be judgmental of any of the people in the Word of God. Because we read it with their hindsight. We read it with the end in mind. They had to live in the middle of it. And there's a middle that we are living in. And I want you to find hope in your middle, hope in your despair, hope in your confusion and hope in your sadness like the early church had to do. See, there was great sadness and confusion when Jesus was crucified. And it was only after the resurrection that they truly understood. It was only after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared before them that they gained understanding. See, many come to the end of something and live like it's over. Unfortunately, we saw one of the disciples, Judas, who betrayed Jesus. He could not live with the fact that he was responsible for putting Jesus on the cross and he lived in the moment and he ended his life by hanging himself. And I think there's many people today that live in the moment of the end of a season and they live as like their life is over. And unfortunately in this nation we see, particularly amongst our teenagers, such a high rate of suicide because of the end of a season, because of the end of something, because of the sadness or the confusion of a situation that they are facing because of the brutality that they see at home, whatever the case may be. And they conclude that life is not worthy of living anymore. And I'm here to tell you the exact opposite. With Jesus Christ, there is always hope. And it's my prayer that you would find hope in Christ this morning. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because there is hope and it's not the end for you. You don't have to give up on your dreams. You don't have to abandon your destiny. This is one thing I see in common of all successful people. They just never gave up. They just never gave in. 
If you study all the great men and women of history, you'll see their adversity that they faced. But they refused to give up. They refused to give in. And as a result of not giving up and not giving in, they hung around long enough to find the answer. You see, what makes today so special is this, that today is the first day of the rest of your life. And the decisions that you make today can have and will have a bearing on the rest of your life. If you conclude that life is not worth living, that will affect the rest of your life. If you conclude that, you know what, this year wasn't my best, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to take what I can from it. I'm going to put things into my life that I didn't have in my life before today, this year. And I'm going to become bigger and better as a result. I believe the best days are ahead for you. I mentioned a few things that happened to us in this last decade. And I did that intentionally because our life hasn't always been a bed of roses. And we've always tried to make the most of every circumstance and every season and every situation. In actual fact, I never forget the time that came to the end of 2016. And on the last day of 2016, I walked around the block and with tears in my eyes, I said, God, never let me forget this year. It's been so precious to me. It's been so near and dear to me. I've learned so much about me. I've learned so much about you. I've learned so much about the church. I've learned so much about people. And I don't want to lose the lessons that I've learned in this time. You say, really? Isn't that the year when Kath was diagnosed with cancer? Yeah. Isn't that the year when you had a blood infection almost died? Yeah. Isn't that the year when you um, had a heart uh, surgery? Yeah. Isn't that the year when your youth leader was struck by lightning? Yeah. And at the end of that year, I said, God, it's been such a special year. Oh God, I don't want to lose the closeness that I gained with you over this time. I believe that this year can be your greatest year, even if it's been your toughest year. Are you with me? So let's look at a few things this morning and then we're done. So what makes today count? There's some things that we need to do. Number one is to look to your future. Turn to the person next to you and say, look to your future. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away and our hips need replacing and our heart needs a little bit of surgery, We are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Question I have for you, what is it that you are focused on? What is it that you are looking at? You realise in 100 years from now, none of us will be here. In 50 years from now, many of us will not be here. In 20 years from now, some of us will not be here. Every one of us is going to have to make a decision. And that decision will have a bearing on our eternity. And I'm so grateful that I grew up as a young man in a home where my perspective was always eternity. My dad would say this over and over and over again. Hey, Tony, in light of eternity, what's it matter? And we always found perspective by looking at eternity. Where are you focused this morning? Where are you looking this morning? Are you looking at the past 
Or are you looking at the future? Most of us would have got here today by a car. And whoever was driving that car would have looked out the, uh, the, the windscreen, but they also would have looked in the rear view, uh, rear view mirror, yes? But if I was to ask everyone who drove here, how much of the time did you look out your rear view mirror or how much did you look out your windscreen? I would imagine the amount that you looked out of your windscreen was much, 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 much more than your rear view mirror. And I believe that's how life should be. We should be looking forward and occasionally looking back. We occasionally look back so that we can learn from the lessons from the past, that we can thank God for His goodness, that we can thank God for His kindness. But we don't live there. If you live looking through the rear vision mirror of your car and start driving forward, guess what's going to happen? You're going to crash. And there's a lot of people that are crashing their lives because they're looking at the past. They want to move forward, but they can't move forward because they're too busy looking backwards. And so I want to encourage you to look to the future. I'm grateful for the last 25 years of this church. And we've had a great year celebrating the good things of God. But I'm more excited about the next 20 years as a church. See, we're not here to reminisce about the past. We're not here to settle down. We're not here to get stuck. We're here to move forward. And this year has been a year where we've looked back. We showed some videos. We showed some photos. We had a big celebration in July of this year. But we're not going to camp there. We're not going to settle there. We want to look through our windshield of our future and embrace all the things that God has for us into the future. Are you with me? Just practically, I would say this to every one of you. When it comes to combating the bad things that you cannot avoid in life, I mean, there are some bad things you can avoid in life, but there are some things you can't. And what I would say to you is, remember this, hold on to the good. It's one of my favourite scriptures. One, because it's real easy to remember. Just hold on to the good. Hold on to the good. And it offsets and helps you to deal with some of the tough things that come our way. That does not mean that we ignore the bad things. It means we put bad things in their proper place with perspective. As I've already mentioned before, the crucifixion was a sad day. And I, along with you, have experienced a few sad days. But just because it's a sad thing doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. The crucifixion was a sad thing. It was a sad day. But it was actually the best thing that ever happened to you or to me. When Jesus hung upon the cross, they said, Come down, you who say you can save others. And had Jesus taken the advice of those around about him and saved himself, he would never have saved you or I. He laid down his life. He refused to be saved in order that he might save others. It was a sad day, but it wasn't a bad day. And 2016 was a sad year in so many ways, but it wasn't a bad year. And don't allow your sad things to become bad things in your life. Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the blame. He endured the pain because He saw you. He saw me into the future. And I'm so grateful that He never came down off that cross, no matter how sad it was for the disciples at that time, because you and I live in the victory and the freedom of what was accomplished that day. 
So number one, look to your future. Secondly, speak to your future. See, words are powerful. With our words, we create our world. Words create worlds. We see that in the very beginning of time. God said, let there be and there was. He said, let there be trees and there were trees. Let there be birds and there were birds. Let there be fish teeming the oceans and there were fish. He just spoke the word and he created. And just like God, we create our world with our words. If we say it's useless, guess what? It'll be useless. It's hopeless. Guess what? It'll be hopeless. You can have all the hope in the world. But if you don't receive it, if you don't see it, if you don't speak it, all that hope will be missed. Our words are so important. In Psalm 23 verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love the confidence. I love the conviction that David, the author of this psalm has. Surely goodness will follow me. I kind of feel like that. Surely goodness will follow me. You know that story that I just told about 2016? In the last three years, I have told that story countless hundreds of times around the world. I have just used that. I've just maximised that moment. And I thought, surely there's some good. Surely there's some good that can come from this uh, incredibly painful season of my life. And I have encouraged people all around the world with my pain and my sad season because I realised that my sad season actually wasn't a bad season. It was something that I was able to go through to help and bring hope to others. Just because it's a sad thing doesn't mean it's a bad thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, It is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit uh, of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. What are you believing for next year? See, we, we need to speak to ourselves and stop allowing ourselves to speak to us. You need to speak to yourself and stop letting yourself speak to you. Does that make sense? You know those, those negative fears, those negative doubts, those things that pop in your head? You're going to stop yourself speaking to you. You're going to start speaking to yourself. David said this. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? I've got to be honest with you. I read my Bible every day of my life. But I've got to be really honest with you. I don't always feel like reading my Bible every day of my life. There are sometimes myself says to me, I'm too tired. There's sometimes myself says to me, you don't have to read every day. There's sometimes myself says to me, what's the point of reading the Bible? No one listens to you anyway, Tony. That was your moment to encourage me, but obviously, no. And in those moments, I've got to stop myself speaking to me. I've got to speak to myself. And just like David says, oh my soul, why are you so downcast? Say, buddy, you might not feel like reading, but we're going to read. Because you know what? It's not even about whether people are listening to me. It's about me getting it for myself. I don't read the Bible to preach. I read the Bible for me. I read it for my growth. I read it for my maturity. So body, so soul, we're going to be quiet and we're going to read the Bible today. That's what we do. Because what you say is really important. What have you been saying over your marriage? 
What have you been saying over your relationships? What have you been saying over your health? What have you been saying over what God says about you? Just because some things haven't worked out, just because you're not married when you thought you would be, just because you haven't got kids when you thought you would have kids or whatever the case may be, don't allow a spirit of negativity to come on you. Speak to yourself and stop letting yourself speak to you. I love Abraham, the father of our faith. You can read this in Romans chapter 4. It says, Abraham, being old in age, received a promise from God. He was told by God that he would be the father of a nation. He would be the father of a multitude. And he was old. And his wife was old. Beyond the years of bearing children. And God says, you're going to bear a child. And I love what Abraham did and how he responded. He says, Abraham did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, but did not waver. And he was fully convinced that God had the power to do that which God had promised. That's what faith is. It's declaring what God says. It's not, power, it's not the power of positive confession. It's not, I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. And if I say it enough, I'll be able to fly. No, you won't be able to fly. You weren't designed to fly. Faith is not a positive confession in yourself. Faith is a positive confession in what God says. It's got to be His Word. Your confession has to line up with His Word. Otherwise, we're just deluded. Because I promise you, I can, I, can, I can psych myself up and say that I'm going to fly and I can confess it positively. And I'm going down. Because God did not design me to fly. But when we understand the Word of God, we can confess with great conviction and authority. Come on, band, let's come up here. The last one is simply this, commit to your future. We've got to look to your future. You've got to speak to your future. You've also got to commit to your future. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the beginning and the end of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to make decisions that are in keeping with our future and then commit to them. You know, we've come to the end of another year, which means there's a number of students that have finished year 12, they've received their ATAR, that's allowed them to get into university and pursue their dream. But whatever that dream is, is going to answer a lot of questions for them. See, dreams do that. Dreams decide a lot of the questions. I, I know for Geordie, when she was contemplating her future, whether she, should, she could be a, a, a home economics teacher or a psychologist. And both of those things she would have done and she would do really, really well. But the decision she makes about what she was going to do was ultimately going to determine what university she goes to. The decision she makes about her future was going to make a decision about where she goes to uni. It was going to determine the bus she catches or the transport she takes and the direction she takes to get to that university. 
As it is, she settled on psychology and she finds herself at the McGill campus. She didn't say, oh, I want to be a psychologist. And so I'm just going to go down Mawson Lakes because it's handy. So there's no, there's no course for that here. So no, no, it's just handy. I just want to go for what's handy. No, no, no. You've got to commit to your future. You don't go for what's easy because what's easy doesn't always involve what's best for your future. And so when you have a dream, when you have a vision, when you're focused, so many other of life's questions get answered for you. The moment Jordan said, I want to be a psychologist, it already decided where she would go to school, where she would go to university. It solved which direction she would take. Does that make sense? And so you've got to commit to your future. We've got to make a decision to continue with the things that are most important. As a 15-year-old, I made a decision to read my Bible every day. I didn't do that because I was a pastor, because I wasn't a pastor. I didn't even desire to be a pastor when I was 15 years of age. I just loved God. And I wanted to serve Him and love Him all the days of my life. And I realised to serve Him and love Him all the days of my life, it made a lot of decisions real simple. I'm just going to read the Word of God every day. I'm going to get to church every week. I don't, I don't, decide, I don't make a choice about going to church. It's, it was decided for me because I wanted to serve Jesus and love Him all the days of my life. I don't go to church because I'm paid. I don't go to church because I'm a pastor. I go to church because I love Jesus. When the offering bucket comes by, I, I don't give because I've got money or not give because I don't have money. I give because I love Jesus. One day I'm going to stand before Him and see His beautiful face. I'm going to have to give account for my life here on earth. And I want to be able to give a great account. That's what I'm living for. I'm living for this one day when I stand before Him. And that day, my wife will not be there. My kids will not be with me. It'll just be me and Him. And every decision I've made about following Him is going to come down to that moment. And every sad day, every bad day, it's going to bring perspective. It's going to bring a greater clarity and focus. As I stand and look into these incredible eyes, And I'm going to stand with confidence, knowing that the decisions I made were decisions that I made out of a commitment to Him. I've been let down by the church. I've been hurt by people. So have you. There's no reason to stop following and serving Jesus. I don't want to allow those things to get in the way of that moment. Because let's be honest, even if you live to be 100 years of age, which is a pretty good stint, and even if you give to live to be 105 like our oldest member who recently went to be with Jesus, 105 is a pretty good stint. But in light of eternity, it's not much. If that represents 105 years of life on earth, and you put it down on this stage, and this stage, the length of this stage represents eternity. It's not much. But in eternity, the stage just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because there is no end. All of a sudden, it puts perspective to our 60, 70, 80 for Chris Guglamucci, 39 years. 
What are you living for? Who are you living for? Let's not live with the pain of 2019. Let's not live with the pain of this last decade. Let's live with a bright, glorious hope and future that one day we shall see Him face to face. See, the keys to a New Year's resolution is to be resolute. You can't have a resolution without being resolute. And unfortunately, people make New Year's resolutions without being resolute. And that's why by January 2, they've already broken their promise. Do you know the top five New Year's Day resolutions are number five, to take up a new hobby. Number four, to make more money. Number three, to improve relationships. Number two, to stop smoking. And he wants to guess what the number one New Year's resolution is. The number one New Year's resolution for 2020 is that I might lose weight. Which is really hard to do when you're celebrating a new year. And it's not only a new year, it's a new decade. You need to be resolute. And my prayer for you is church, you not only find Christ, but Christ would help you be strong. Resolute. That you wouldn't give up and you wouldn't give in. I'm out of time, but I had five, four things real practically. Just put them up here. You could do a bit of homework. Practically guard your heart. Don't get all bitter and cynical. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Stay hungry. Hunger does funny things to you. You know when you're really hungry? You do anything when you're really hungry. Stay hungry for the things of God. Get organised. If you don't, if you fail to plan, sorry, you plan to fail. Let's put the big rocks, the most important things in our calendars and diaries first. Our kids know don't bother talking to mum and dad before they've read the Bible. Just, 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 let's, just, let's just put first things first. And fellowship up. Fellowship up. What do I mean by that? Hang around bigger, better, stronger people. Not the people that are going to hold you down and bring you down. But fellowship up. And there's no greater up than Jesus Christ Himself. See, Christianity in its purest, simplest form is a relationship with God. It's about having a relationship with God the Father. That's always been His desire. He's madly and passionately in love with people. His desire has always been to have a relationship with His people. And because of our sin, it separated us from Him and us. You know, oil and water doesn't mix. Well, God's glory and sin does not mix. And so God devised the plan that justice could be served and yet relationships be restored. That's why He sent His Son. That's why we've just spent the last few days celebrating and remembering why Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. He was the answer to mankind's problem because our sin and God's glory does not mix. Justice had to be served. But we were incapable of paying the price. 
We were too steeped in sin. And so God devised the plan, sent His Son, who lived a sinless, perfect life, who died for our sins and took our place. Rose again, proving He was who He said He was. And now gives every one of us an invitation to receive Him into our hearts. And when we receive Him into our heart, into our lives, He washes us clean. He deals with the sin in our lives so that we can have relationship with God again. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 